Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We are glad to be up and running as we start off a new fall study on the book of 1 John. Uh, Colonial, we're going to be studying through this book in our small groups, and so uh, we're here kind of giving a teaser of that in this first episode uh, on 1 John, and we're also going to be talking uh, a little bit about small groups themselves and then just kind of introducing uh, the book of 1 John. Joining me today in the studio uh, live at the time of this recording is Matt Barfield hey, and Brandon Hamilton. Hey, hey. So, uh, guys, as we talk about uh, small groups, this is something that we're kicking up again. It's something we make a big emphasis of here. And um, I, I want to ask just a couple of questions. Um, first of all, can you talk about where you've seen small groups in your uh, various contexts? Uh, Brandon, I know you've been a youth pastor and done small group type things. Uh, Matt, you've got a lot of experience doing a lot of different things. And so I'm curious, even from an international perspective, how maybe different cultures think about it, uh, that type of thing. And then I'll even talk a little bit about, you know, our thinking here as far as the adults at Colonial, but Brandon, let's start off with you. What do you think is the value in small groups? How have you seen them work? Um, what does small groups look like in your ministry? Yeah, so uh, obviously I think it has multiple pros, um, which I will probably forget some even as we're talking, but uh, as a youth pastor, I purposely do small groups for multiple reasons. Number one, uh, I can intentionally have teenagers interact with teenagers that they don't typically interact with. Um, when I kind of designate them to which small group they're going to go to. It also does provide uh, a lot of opportunity for leadership growth where uh, the teenagers are talking about spiritual things. I want them to be able to not just sit and listen to spiritual things, but be able to verbalize and share what God's doing in their heart. Um, specifically, we've done them as follow-ups to the messages that I've preached where they go in their small groups and say, hey, this is what I learned. This is um, what God convicted my heart about and challenged me to grow. And that's been encouraging just for uh, their sake of accountability. We've done small groups um, as our main Bible study time where I've written Bible studies and they've discussed it. Um, so leadership opportunities, I think it does break down barriers. It creates connections and relationships with teenagers that I don't normally talk about spiritual things, and I want them to be able to talk about them in norm, normal life um, and how what they just heard affects them because they're able to apply it after I preach a message or anything like that more specifically than even I am. I can see big picture things. They take it, and they bring it down to earth even more. And there, there's other pros that I'm sure we'll I'll, I'll be able to add on as we go. Springboard. Well, as you look around the world and the places that we work with IPM and the places I've been, they're usually developing nations or nations that are uh, restricted access or persecuted, or Christians are persecuted. So um, the, you kind of have a very different church scene. You have a place where the people that you live with in your neighborhood are the same people that you work with are the same people that you go to church with. It's mm -hmm. all one thing. Whereas here in America... I don't know if you want to use the word siloed or it's fractured or whatever, but it's it's not the same. You live at a place, and maybe you know those people, maybe you don't, <laughs> uh, as more and more there's a case in America where you don't know your neighbors very well. So um, you know, when I look at the small group thing, I think, oh, that's a good thing that we're – it's almost like a corrective. We have this way of saying, look, we, we don't have something that we used to have. We don't have something that is in other cultures in the world in terms of connectivity, in terms of knowing the people that you're going to church with very well because you live next door and work with them and you, you've been there. You've never moved anywhere. You've been there your whole life you know, for decades. Well, that's not the case for any of us. We've all you're – you're from Jersey. You're from New York. I'm from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Like We're not from here. 
right? Mm-hmm. And most of our church is like that too. There's a good number of Hoosiers, and we're all adopted Hoosiers, I hope. I, I'm happy to be here. We're working towards that. Yeah, I, right. hope, I hope to be accepted. <laughs> Love you know, and um, I don't know. So anyway, that, but, but at the same time, I think these small groups help say, wait a second, we maybe have a, a cultural phenomenon that isolates us from each other, but that's not the way the church is. In the church, we're all together. And we're going to mix this thing up and make sure that we, you know, get to know each other in a closer spiritual way. That's really good. And just to add to what I said, I think one of the purposes that I do it in youth group is we have youth staff and we've got uh, young men and ladies, um, adults who I want the teenagers to rub shoulders with and to hear uh, their application and uh, what they have to teach them about their spiritual walk, and I want to give them opportunities. And it, it gives more opportunities when you break up into smaller groups um, to be able to speak truth into each other's lives and um, just relate to it and imp- apply it in more specific ways. Yeah, I think it's, you know, going back to what Hebrews says, where it says exhort one another daily. You know, when do we do that? And you have to do that really in the context of a relationship. Uh, you know, you, you typically don't go up to somebody at church that you've never met and said, hey, I've, I've heard that you're doing this. That's bad. You should stop. You know, that's right. not normally how this works. And so I think one of the advantages of small groups is that you have those opportunities to have spiritual conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, even in the hallway, it can be, it can be challenging sometimes just to have a, a spiritual conversation. Um, it shouldn't be, but, you know, I know for many people it is. And so, you know, you get in a small group and it, it may be awkward at first, but you're forced to, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to talk about God's Word together. And I think as people get in the habit of that, it becomes more natural. It becomes something that hopefully begins spilling outside of just that one, you know, Sunday, 9 a.m. to 9.55 a.m. Uh, time frame. It begins to be something that's broader than that. And at the same time, in America, in our culture, um, I'm probably going to get in trouble when I say something broad like this, but generally speaking, if something's important to us, we carve out time for it. And I think what's good about this is we say, you know, community and, and knowing people, knowing your brothers and sisters in Christ is important. Mm-hmm. So we're going to carve out this time for it. It doesn't mean it stops there, of course, mm-hmm. but it does show that it's important and, and that something positive, something very good is accomplished when brothers look across the table of brothers and, and help each other spiritually. Uh, so let's um, transition just a little bit and then we'll move on from small groups. I'm curious uh, if you guys have any perspective on this. What does it take to make a small group effective? And this could be both the person running the small group, but also, again, if you're at Colonial and we're about to enter small groups, you know, what would you say as somebody that's a participant in a small group? What's something that would that would you could do to help make the group? Well, successful? the perfect small group is one that I'm in, and, and I get to just talk all that I want, and everybody has to listen to me. It's that's a good thing that Matt, you, Matt. It's a good thing Matt's in a small group right now with three people because that means he gets to talk a half of the time, and it doesn't seem that unusual. No, obviously that's the opposite of the truth, right? Right. I mean, yeah. having one person be the guy. Uh, who just can't stop himself and just <laughs> keeps talking, uh, you know, and I got to work on that. So it's good to be in a small group to work <laughs> on that. <laughs> but then having people, you know, to really embrace it and say, um, you know, maybe I'm just going to go, some people are going to come away from a small group and say, oh, now I know how to pray. I mean, not jokingly. Now I know how to pray for my brothers. Now I know how to encourage them. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great way to supplement what you're doing. If you start praying for the people in your small group, let's say you're mm-hmm. more introvertish and you don't jump out there right away which I would still encourage. Uh, but you start praying for people at your group, That's you're going to come in next week, hey, how did that go? Or, hey, how's this going on in your life? It, it's going to create that connectivity that's just a good spiritually healthy thing. Yeah, and I think that's an important point too. When we do small groups, sometimes the thinking is, oh, we used to do Sunday school in a lecture format. Now we do it in a different format. And we just kind of transition our mind like, oh, this is just another way yeah. of doing Sunday school. And really the burden behind this is, 
that this is beyond just a Sunday school class, that this really is a small group and that you now have a, a group of men or a group of women that you that you pray for, that you that you look forward to seeing, that you connect with, and you know, and then we we break everyone's heart and we switch up the groups and you get you get new people that you get to pray for and invest in. Um, that was very much an experience we had in Jordan. We were there uh, that we really liked. We'd have a church service. It wasn't a real big service. It wasn't a real big church. But afterwards, we'd all get tea in these impossible to hold little glass cups with no handles that are boiling hot. And so you have to hold it like the top and the bottom and like pray your fingerprints remain like it's that hot, <laughs> you know. But but I, I think back on that and we'd have some cheap cookie and we'd do that. But we, we would we would know each like we mm-hmm. knew each other. We, we yeah. were talking about everything. And it was um, there's just you can't put a, too much of a value on how, how wonderful that camaraderie is. I think some things as a, a leader that's been helpful as I've run small groups and written small group material is to be um, specific and to have good questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and even as you interact, to be specific. If if you're kind of trying to get some feedback from someone on a certain thing, you just say, well, what do you think? Yeah. It's crickets. Right. <laughs> right? right. So to be uh, intentional with questions you ask and how you answer questions and um Opening it up for other people to jump in on what you were just talking about is is really helpful, rather than just being pretty pretty open and vague. <laughs> We've all had those awkward. Well, that takes that forethought moments. of the guy who's who's doing mm-hmm. the leading of that, mm-hmm. um, but it also takes the forethought of the person who's writing the material. So, mm-hmm. and what I love is that connection that you have with those teachers, Ben, as you you prepare the material and then you show it, and here's how it's going to run, and mm-hmm. and then you know that gives them time to get ready to do what you just said, Brandon. So it's a it's it's a great system if you give, give us some thought, give us some prayer. And uh, get ready for Sunday. Yeah. I, I've i emphasized with the teachers before um, that very principle where I said, okay, look, I, I tell them, you know, one of the most challenging parts of writing these lessons is actually thinking of good discussion questions. Yep. Because it's very easy to ask a question that's like, is this good or bad? Oh, that's bad. All right, very good. Let's keep going. <laughs> or, you, or you go the other, um, you know, extreme where it's like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, and, and there's yeah. not really any direction. But to... To ask a good question that mm-hmm. that gets people thinking that that you have a conversation that's not going to go in like one single direction and that's it. Like you know, every table asks this question and this is the answer that's given or this is the set of answers. But that allows people to look at their life experience and see how scripture comes to bear on that, or mm-hmm. thinks through um, maybe parallel scriptures or asks um, analytical questions. Why did this happen? Why do you think? Or what was the author's point in doing this? And, and you know, the good things it's, it's it is a group. Mm-hmm. Since you are going to meet again next week, you don't have to ask questions in which the entire answer is finalized at that session. Oh, no. Because you're coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know when earlier this week when Jackie had a question, Jackie Reynolds had a question about a meaning of a Bible verse. And, yeah. And I said, I think it's this. And you said, well, I'm not sure. Let me look it up. And you looked it up. And I'm like, oh, Matt got it wrong. And, <laughs> and that was, man, that was a good conversation. Yeah. That was cool because it wasn't like the answer was already formulated when we sat down, we had to kind of go through it and she had to, you know, talk about what, why she was asking this. And I had to say, well, here's why I think this. And then you were like, well, here's what the Greek says. And that whole process is really good. So I think as you envisioned that the first week of a, of an ABF of a, of a small group <laughs> sitting down and discussing this thing, but that's not going to finish it. Like just yeah. getting to the bottom of your page is not the goal. Yeah. The goal is to ask questions and to get into things that's going to mm-hmm. require nine to 10 weeks or whatever to figure out. Well, and the nice thing about first John, when, when you think about that is that he comes back to these themes over and over again, love and light and truth. We saw it even with the Kings. Uh, When we went through the Kings, there were certain themes that man, it was like, let's talk about pride and humility this week. Let's talk about listening to God's word this week. Like 
And and sometimes there's there's part of me, you know, as, as a teacher that's like new content, new material. We already went over that. Yep. And part of the Christian life, I think sometimes we have this mistaken mentality that like learning means that you're always given new information. And we live in the information age. So it's always like, I've got to get new data, new data. And so you sit down at the table and you're like, I already got that data last week. And it, it's like, yeah, but but have you have you memorized it or even meditated on it? Have you have you saturated yourself yourself in it? Has it begun to change your life? You know, John John isn't carrying out one linear argument all the way through. He's kind of cycling around these themes because he's trying to hit them over and over and over and over again from different angles and different ways and in different combinations. Yeah. Because he really wants you to walk away and say, "Wow, God is love and I need to I need to be a person who's characterized by love and not hate the brothers and and truth matters and, and how do all of these ideas fit together and uh, yeah it's it's a it's not something that happens in one week and it's not even necessarily something that's always going to necessarily require new data sometimes it just takes processing what God's word says well as people will find out when they get to this lesson it's about generations and I don't want to go too far into this but mm-hmm. but but um, and I started thinking about that concept I started thinking about a farm that goes through seasons. You know, what happens in a farm in spring? What happens in a farm in summer? What happens in a farm in fall? And so there's like three successive phases of the same thing. You know, here's mm-hmm. this, here are these plants and here's this land and here's this, this, all this activity and all this growth and all this fruit, but it's going through seasons. And so mm-hmm. I think when you look at the generational impact of, of the scriptures and the fact that from the very beginning with Israel, it was you do this and then you teach it to your sons and to your son's sons. It was always a three generational proposition and it's the same today it doesn't it doesn't matter so much how many people i lead to christ but yet how many people that i lead to christ how many did they lead to christ that, the question isn't what what did i just do with it but what did the people that i gave it to what did mm. they do with it yeah. and i think when you look at the book of first john and you realize that john's saying you guys weren't there i was here's what i learned and you can have it too and so there's a the first gen there's a the second gen now what are you going to do with it there's a the third gen yeah and i think as you already alluded to there's multiple times where, I mean, the first John, I, I wrote this so that you would know. Mm-hmm. And doubt starts to creep in, <laughs> in, in generational yeah. thought and in uh, as generations flow. And I think that one of the strengths of small groups in general is it does pull out the tendencies of fallen man's heart. Yeah. And then you take the truth that's given and you can apply it from so many different angles. You're like, okay, yeah, I need that because I can feel that tendency in my heart. And it's just an encouragement also to hear um, how God is using the same truth in different ways right. in so many people's lives. And With humans, there's like limitless yeah. numbers of possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Like you think you got them all figured out and then then you don't. <laughs> but the word of God's never taken by surprise. Like it works mm-hmm. under every set of circumstances. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the letter of First John before we wrap things up. And I had um, broken the rule that we went over. And my first question is, what do you guys... <laughs> think about first john it's i I love it well (laughs) it's a good i hate to say this but it is my favorite book in the bible like i hate to like come out and say that because then it's like oh good Mm. well you've done several of these matt and i think this is the first time you said favorite so we'll we'll allow it it is i love it because of the first chapter i just love how in such a short amount of time you get the complete connectivity to the life of christ and the overview of what it means to live that life i just i think it's amazing it's a phenomenal book yeah and it's very clear too it's just like hey this is how it is, and this is what a real believer looks like, and it's, it, it's very um, delineated. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. John draws some very clear lines in the book of First John, and it's like, oh, because again, second and third generation, we can kind of be like, well, what about, <laughs> and John's just like, well, 
boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so, really helpful. So needed. I can't imagine the Bible without it. And I just, I think it's such a great uh, collection of truth. Hey, I write these things so you don't sin. But if you do, yeah. here's, yeah. What you, here's how you respond <laughs> right. to it. Right. Well, and that whole, that whole section, I, I, I don't like chapter 2, verse 1, the chapter division there, because I feel sure. like it all yep. flows. Because he starts off and says, look, if you walk in darkness, you don't have the light in you, and you're not in fellowship with God. Yeah. If you say that you have no sin in you, okay, that's another problem. Right. You know, if you sin, you know, we, um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Don't be, and he just, it's almost, it's that, that tension we all feel, right? Where it's like, I'm a believer and I know I'm not supposed to sin, but I know I do sin, but I'm not supposed to. But if I do, Christ is there. But the goal of this is that I not sin. Right. And um, I just love that, that back and forth, Mm -hmm. because as a preacher, you know, (laughs) you're constantly trying to straddle that line. You don't want people to walk away and be like, okay, good. I can sin. And you don't want people to walk away and be like, oh, I sinned once. It's over. Or it's over. I'm hopeless. Or to be like, I never sin. I I don't sin. I make mistakes, but I don't sin. And you're like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure I saw you sin. Um, So um, I mentioned, and this has kind of come up, but um, this is really the first ever second and third generation Christians. So this is written, most uh, commentators would say between 80, 85, and 95. So we'll just pick 90. That's a good, nice round number. Christ was crucified sometime around AD 30. Again, that's another one that's debated. Uh, 30 is a pretty uh, popular year, so we'll just go with nice round 60 years. So if we say 60 years, you know, that's one to two generations later. Um, and so uh, I think Brandon mentioned this, but John is is writing the Christians, and you would think, you know, you might think, okay, man, we got through the early phases of this thing, like, you know, those first 20, 30 years it was a lot of growth, and then, you know, sometime around in the 60s, Nero decides he doesn't like Christianity, and official Roman persecution starts, and we've come through that. The book of Hebrews alludes to the fact that there's more persecution coming, and it would seem the church survived that. So you've gone through probably about, you know, two waves of, of persecution. You're established. You've got communities going. Um, and so you, you might be tempted to think, man, we're, we're good, right? It's smooth sailing from here. This thing's just going to take off. And when we read First John, it's actually a community that that's in a – it sounds like – fair amount of, of um, I don't want to say danger, but but there's problems that John is trying to address. Um, what kind of dangers in general, uh, either from First John or as we look at it, are dangers that are faced by second and third generation Christians? Well, even jumping on what we've already said, I think for a first generation believer, the lines are very clear. Like, mm-hmm. this is how I used to act before Christ, and this is how I'm supposed to act. And because of who I am in Christ this is how I'm going to act. And those lines are very clear. But I think as you, and especially working with young people, I see this often, the long, like if you grow up in Christianity, sometimes those those lines wrongly become a little blurred to you. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, my friend is a Christian and he does this. And those lines are are not quite as clear um, in, in our minds, and it's a wrong reaction to it, but uh, that it can be a tendency of second and third generation believers. The substitution that, that people are making, the second gen is looking at the first gen going, oh, that's the Christian. That's what it means. Um, what I love is how John goes uh, in verse number three, mm-hmm. that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. So I saw it, you didn't. I'm going to declare it unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So he's saying... This is not you just doing what you're seeing in the first gen. This is you connected to him. This is you connected to Jesus. And I can do that because 
I can declare what he did, and you can believe it. And in that transaction of faith on what Jesus has said, you actually fellowship with God the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So that the Christian, we don't have a diminution of Christianity as it distills through the centuries. That's not, every generation mm. gets to get the full joy. Yeah. Every generation gets to get the full fellowship. Nobody's getting seconds. Everybody's mm. getting firsts. And that's unique. That's not like other things. Everybody else, you know, we're getting less of the American founding fathers, right? It's, it, it trickles down mm-hmm. and down through unless somebody, you know, does it again, right? But for, for Christians, we're all going to that reality of the relationship with Christ that's made real by grace through faith that's accessed because someone told us a story. And we, by grace, believed it. Yeah, and he's just, he's reorienting their thinking. Hey, it's not about others. Don't compare yourself to other people. Look, look to Christ. And I do like bring it all the way back to who you should compare yourself to. It's interesting too, you know, we talk about the simplicity of the book and first John is very simple. It's deep, but it's simple. And, you know, sometimes as Christians, we need to be reminded of those simple truths. You know, (laughs) I mean, John just gets really blunt. He's like, look, if God is love and you are hating your brother, you don't love God. Like, like, you know, and, and you 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 can see that type of thing begin to form sometimes in second and third generation Christians, where there's truths that we know that we just kind of get into this social bubble and you know kind of go with the flow. And every once in a while, you need someone to just say the blunt thing and say, "Look, if you're not loving other people, you're not born of God." Yeah, and you're like, "Whoa, that's whoa, true. wait, you can't say that." I, no, that's that's God is love. If you're not loving people, you're not born of God. Well, the scriptures are there for rebuke, for correction, for mm-hmm. exhortation, for instruction and in righteousness. They're there to change us. We don't get the Bible because we didn't need it. We get the Bible because mm-hmm. we desperately need it. And so when he comes out, when John writes out and says, this is the message, God is light and him is no darkness at all. You talk about blunt. Mm-hmm. That's blunt. man. <laughs> <laughs> There's no darkness at all in God. Okay. Let that reorient your thinking. Let that reorient the way you respond. If you love the world, Love of Father's not in you. Yeah, bam. I mean, he's nailing it. <laughs> and yet at the same time, I love too how John comes along and he's he knows how to do that and still be encouraging. Yeah. You know, I write these things to you um, because you've overcome the evil one, you know, and you're like, whew. Yes, yeah, that's so good. You know, I needed to hear that because yeah. there, there's kind of been some the, punches coming apostle, my way that I need. The Apostle John would be great on Twitter. Like he just <laughs> would nail those character limits. He could just be like, man. That's a good way of putting it. Start a new profile. Uh, Apostle Twitter. John. The Apostle John. Just t- tweet out his verses. John of Patmos sending you <laughs> little nuggets. Probably won't get a blue check mark, but that's no, okay. No, I don't think so. All right. Well, we'll probably go ahead and wrap things up there. This has been kind of a teaser. Uh, next week, we're going to spend a little bit more time looking at First John as a whole and exploring the themes. And so we'll be going over lesson one. Uh, if you want to uh, kind of prepare for Sunday, uh, one thing you can think about doing is just reading through First John several times. Uh, you can, you know, one thing that I've even been doing the last couple of days is listening to it read out loud. If you have a Bible app, most of them have um, audio Bible. You can just, you know, play it while you're in your car or doing your dishes or what, ha- uh, whatever. Um, For and those you can, listening that don't have that, Word Project is really good and it has translations. Okay. So if there are people that don't know English well, then they can listen to it in lots of languages. That's great. Word, wordproject.org. Wordproject.org. Um, and we are not getting any cuts from no, any of these, no. just so you know. <laughs> um, uh, and as you are reading through and listening to the book of First John, ask yourself a couple of just kind of basic general questions. What big ideas does John come back to frequently? Uh, we call these themes. These are ideas that pop up over and over again throughout the letter. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of those on Sunday, but see how many of those you can kind of figure out on your own. Uh, what do you think John's main purpose or his purposes are 
uh, behind this letter. There are several times where John says, I'm writing this because. There's actually several of those in the book. So uh, read through those, highlight them in your Bible if you can find them. Um, think through, okay, how do we fit all these together? And then, uh, again, as you take a step back, just ask yourself, okay, what is the value of this book for Christians today? How should the book of First John change the way I, as a believer, think and live uh, in this world. So we're going to be back next Wednesday as we examine these and other questions here on the Colonial Hills Podcast. See ya. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.